Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, there you are. Welcome to the table, our first episode recorded this year. It's February, y'all, February 2nd, 2022. Two, 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 two. Groundhog Day. Will Punxsutawney Phil see his shadow this morning? What a fun tradition, seeking weather advice from a rodent. A cute rodent. Well, I don't know if Phil will see a shadow or not, but I do wonder this. Will I see God's shadow today? Will you see God today? Will you catch what this day is specifically supposed to be about for you, for your life, for you and your family? Those are big questions we'll explore this week. Whether faith is a big thing in your life or not, there's some special gifts for you that this day alone holds. Will you recognize those gifts coming to you today with your name on it? Will I recognize mine? It's good to be alive, and recognizing God's most important gifts begins with being present in the moment. I have a confession to make. Staying in the moment does not come naturally to me. I mean, hey, if the moment is special, if you're with those special someones in your life, if you're relishing every moment with those you love, staying in the moment is not so hard. But when the special becomes normal, when the wedding becomes daily living, when the birth becomes a couple of decades of constant parenthood, when walking with God becomes religious activity, when God and family and people are compartmentalized and blended with making a living and making an impact and to-do list and worries and concerns and guilt and second-guessing, it gets difficult to stay in the moment. Can anybody out there listening relate? Or am I the only one? Here's my discovery. Being present in the moment is a discipline which can be learned. But it's a discipline I've found that requires constant vigilance. Now, before you bail over the D word, discipline can be fun when you go about it the right way and with the right attitude. Can anybody say, Mary Poppins? I mean, remember a spoonful of sugar? It helps the medicine go down in the most delightful way. Now, I want to share a most delightful way that I practice in my daily life. And just so you know, I don't practice this because I have it all together. I practice this to keep me present in the moments that I am granted every day. Otherwise, I'm just like a scout on a wagon train. Back in the late 50s, early 60s, there was a very popular television western called Wagon Train. The train had a scout named Flint McCullough. 
Flint was always riding ahead to look for water or river crossings or to see if there was any sign of trouble where they were intending to go. And Flint was always riding back where the train had already been to see if anyone was following them. He was looking for trouble in the train's future and in the train's past. But Flint was seldom with the wagon train. And it's possible some of us live our lives that way. So let me share some things which help keep me in the moment. Number one, slow down. Slow down. I have another confession. Slow is not my normal speed. I have a tendency to walk fast wherever I go in my day-to-day life, at the store, at the track, through the parking lot, through the airport. When I was younger, I had a name for people who moved slow in front of me. I called them lollygaggers. And sometimes I would mumble under my breath, lead, follow, or get out of the way. Very Jesus-like, right? No, it wasn't. I've had to learn I am continually learning to slow down. Several years ago, I began my year reading a book by John Ortberg, Soul Keeping. Ortberg tells of a phone call he made to Dallas Willard. Now, Dallas Willard was a theologian whom I would describe as an American C.S. Lewis of the late 20th century, very much like Lewis. So John calls Dallas up on the phone one day and he asks him, what do I need to do to stay spiritually healthy? He said Dallas paused for a long time and then said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Well, that was a mic drop moment for me, a book drop moment for me. That rang my bell. John continued the conversation. Okay, Dallas, I've got that one. What other spiritual nuggets do you have for me? To which Dallas replied, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Slow down. Be present in each moment. How do you slow down? Well, here are a few life hacks that help me. First, a question. How do you begin your day? How you begin your day tends to set the tone for everything that follows. Several years ago, I was scheduled to speak in San Angelo, Texas. I was staying at a hotel, and unbeknownst to me, the former occupant of my room had set the alarm to go off around 4 a.m., to a top 40 radio station. So at 4 a.m., I was raised like Lazarus by Miley Cyrus. Now, since I did not set the alarm, I had a little trouble turning it off, and it took me a little bit, and all the while, Miley serenaded me, and I learned a new song that day because there's a party in the USA was on repeat in my brain all day long. So back to the question, how do you begin your day? Do you look at your phone before you do anything else? Do you turn on the television, the radio, listen to the news? Do you scroll social media? Do you crank up the tunes? Do you hit the Peloton? With the exception of that last one, I see distraction in all those other choices. The world wants to get in. The stress from whatever bad news developed overnight wants to jolt us to fear. Why open up ourselves to the world before we open up ourselves to ourselves? Why open up ourselves to the world before we open up ourselves to our Creator?
Now, if you're a parent of a young child, a baby, a toddler, a preschooler, enjoy. You're on a different track right now. Enjoy it. Your day often begins when they do, with their needs. Still, the need is there for you as well to slow down. I have no doubt your unique creativity will lead you to find those special moments to do that. So how do you begin your day? Here's how I start each new day. The alarm goes off, or more more often than not, my internal alarm goes off about five minutes before the alarm does. I roll out of bed and kneel beside my bed. I pray this prayer from 1 Samuel 3, 9. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's the prayer posture I want to be in as I begin my day. I arise still praying that prayer or a variation of it. Speak, Abba, your child is listening. Speak, Jesus, your friend is listening. Speak, Holy Spirit, your dwelling is listening. I touch the phone only once to turn off the alarm if need be. I walk down the hall, put on the coffee, and go to my table in my kitchen. This is where I spend time in the presence of God. If I want to be present in the moments of my day, I need to be present first to the giver of my day. Now, I usually spend two hours every morning at the table, give or take a few minutes. A couple of things real quick. I have not always been a morning person, and I've not always spent two hours every morning at the table. This is where I am right now. This is not where I have always been. And if you're just getting started with time alone with God, let me encourage you to take five minutes a day, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You may ask me, why two hours? Well, two hours is what it takes for me to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. If I sit down at the table looking at my watch, I'm not going to be fully present in that moment. Another way for me to answer the question, how do you begin your day, is with the night before. If I have to be out the garage door at 6.30 a.m., I set my alarm for 4 a.m. in order to give me a two-hour window, and I go to bed earlier. And what do you do for two hours, you may wonder? Well, first, I try to slow down. I spend that time in prayer, reading God's Word, meditating on a devotional or two, writing down my prayers and thoughts in my journal, pause in the enjoyment of the solitude, of the bird song outside, of the coffee. But before any of that, I slowed down and I asked for direction. Jesus, where do you want me to begin today? I do this so that I just don't jump right into a habit. Anybody else other than me find themselves falling into that kind of trap? I will forget that occasionally, find myself reading for five to ten minutes and not absorbing the words on the page, or I'll jump right in praying and talk to God for five minutes without saying a thing other than a collection of rope petitions. Here are some of my other hacks that help nurture me to stay present in the moment throughout the day. One, every morning I reflect on the day before. I keep a gratitude list of everything I have to be thankful for from yesterday. The highlights of that list are eventually entered into an ongoing Thanksgiving journal. Number two, I go back and reread everything I underlined the day before in whatever books I am reading. I also read whatever thoughts came to me yesterday throughout the day that I have written down on the notebook app on my smartphone. Whenever God speaks, I write it down. 
Sometimes it comes through my thoughts. Sometimes it comes through a conversation. Sometimes it is something I heard someone say while listening to a podcast. Sometimes it's a song lyric, but I write it down. Number three, after looking back over all the many ways that I received a blessing yesterday, I asked God, what's the most important thing you said to me yesterday? What is the most important truth you're trying to teach me in this season? What is the most important moment from yesterday? Once those questions have been sifted and answered, I I open up my five-year keepsake journal that is set up like a calendar. It's really cool. January 1st to December 31st. And each day, each page has room for four lines of writing per year, per day. I am now in my eighth year of doing this. So I'm in my second five-year journal. Now, the coolest thing is I can see on each day what God spoke to me on that day in 2020 and in 2021. And occasionally I'll pull out the first five years and see what he said through 2015 to 2019. Can you see how helpful that might be? To have this written testimony in your handwriting of what God said a year ago or what significant event happened a year ago. It's almost like having a spiritual GPS before you. You see the faithfulness of God from the past. You're recording the faithfulness of God in the present, and that just fuels trust and hope for God's continual future faithfulness and blessings from above. You may be thinking, well, that's a lot of work. But I assure you, it's worth it. It brings freshness, aliveness, encouragement to your journey, and it helps you see key moments from yesterday that you either missed at the time or you've already forgotten. And I'll just say, I wish I had always had this discipline. I think of the key moments I've missed while my children were younger, when they were growing up, the things they said, the things they did that were not recorded, that have slipped into the volume of the memory bank. If I was a parent of a young child, I would jump all over this now because you think you'll always remember, but you don't always. So a quick review before my favorite hack of all. Slow down, reflect on yesterday and give thanks. Reflect on yesterday and glean the most important treasure from what was said or done. Record it in a journal. And then last, record it on your calendar, on your weekly planner. Now this is one of those places where I have to confess I am awesomely and wonderfully quirky. I've never read this anywhere. This is original, fun, peculiar to me. I don't know anybody else who does this. This is going to sound weird, but I enter each week with an empty calendar, an empty planner. I don't record anything I've scheduled ahead of time on that calendar, on that planner. It's completely blank. If anything, I might put a sticky note to remind me And I do keep a separate business calendar, so I'm not forgetting anything. I'm just choosing to focus on the most important, the most sacred, the most incredible of any day. Yes, I use the calendar and record in it, but only after the day has been lived. I started doing this in a small way in 2015, and then it just took over my entire 
calendar somewhere in 2017. And now I can pick up a former calendar and in a single word or phrase tell you exactly what was going on in my life at that moment. I want to close with a few recent calendar entries as examples. Last Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area visiting my son Daniel and his family. This was a Christmas makeup trip for me because I came down with COVID for the first time a few days before Christmas. Now, here's what I knew going into the trip. A, I knew that I wanted to revisit the Vincent Van Gogh exhibit, Van Gogh and the Olive Groves, at the Dallas Museum of Art. Back on December 4th, I saw the exhibit for the first time, but since getting to see a Van Gogh exhibit of any kind in person is such a rarity, I decided to slow down to see it again. Besides, my son and his family were all in school when I landed at Love Field last Thursday. I spent two hours in the gallery enjoying, examining these tremendous works of art from every possible angle. But again, in order to do this, I had to slow myself down to museum pace because I just stepped away from airport get the rental car pace. It took me a while, a few moments, to change mental gears. All that effort, though, was rewarded. I looked for details I had not noticed before. I raised questions and gave instructions to myself. What is the central focus of each painting? Where do my eyes naturally fall? Where do I perceive depth among the olive trees? What was going on with Van Gogh personally as he painted each work? What colors did he use? And because I was asking all kinds of questions to focus, I discovered a burning bush. My interpretation, I discovered a burning bush Van Gogh painted as the focal point of one of these works. Yellow sunlight splashed across the trunk and branches of one particular tree front and center. Voila, a burning bush. From there, I drove to White Wright, Texas, where my son is head high school baseball coach. High school baseball practice has just begun in Texas, and for three days, I sat in the press box Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and observed practice. The last 45 minutes to an hour of each practice ended with situational play, as players were both at the plate and in the field. And for each day's practice, my son Daniel had prepared a special playlist to match the day. He said Monday was Metal Monday, Wednesdays, Wednesdays, or Western Wednesdays, country music, Throwback Thursdays, etc. And on Friday, Daniel asked me if I would like to provide the playlist and he called it Father Friday. <laughs> I must have done an okay job because his players requested the same playlist on Saturday because I'd been playing bangers. <laughs> on Saturday morning, right before going to early morning baseball practice, I just sat down with my coffee and my journal at the kitchen table when my oldest granddaughter, Olivia, age of four and a half, awoke and came to the table to sit down beside me. I asked her if she wanted anything to eat. She did. I got her what she wanted, and then I pushed my journal to the side, and I enjoyed my first cool papa granddaughter breakfast with Olivia. It was special. Sometimes God shows up in words and sometimes in flesh and blood. He always shows up, and it is always sacred.
So off to baseball practice I go. Saturday morning, repeat the bangers for practice, follow Daniel back to his house. He hops in my car, and we go to Fort Worth for our favorite Mexican restaurant on the planet, Joti Garcia's. We enjoy a delicious meal. It's always wonderful. We say goodbye in the parking lot, and I drive from Fort Worth to the airport in Dallas. Now, with all that driving, there could have been within me a spirit of rush, But again, I reminded myself, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. I love to fly. One of my favorite times to fly is on Saturday evening. Not necessarily a heavy travel time. And sure enough, when I pulled into the rental place, it wasn't busy. I began talking to the young man who was there to help me check in my car. I asked him how his day was going just engaged him in simple, pleasant conversation. And as I'm getting my bags out of the trunk of my car and he is forwarding my receipt to my email, he made the comment, you are very nice, sir. I asked his name. He told me, Ali. I said, oh, like the boxer. And then I said, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He said, yeah. I reached into my pocket and I pulled out a copy of the Jesus Harmony book I always carry with me. That's the combined Bible books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all rolled into one fluid story of Jesus. It's scripture. And I handed it to Ali. I told him what it was. And then I told him, Jesus, he is the reason I am nice. He thanked me. He continued his job. I caught the shuttle to the airport. None of that was premeditated, but slowing down set the stage for it. Now, there was a lot I could have recorded in my calendar those three days, and I did journal all the highlights and memories, but here's what went into my calendar. Thursday, revisiting Van Gogh and baseball practice. Friday, Father Friday. Saturday, surprise at the table breakfast with Olivia. Thursday could have been a burning bush in the olive grove. I thought about that. Saturday could have been a spontaneous sharing of Jesus with Ali. Ann Voskamp wrote, Life is so extraordinary, it warrants going slow, held in reverential awe. Only the slow see their lives, which makes it seem longer and richer. My thoughts, if you want to stay in the moment today, you have to recognize and give thanks for the moments of yesterday. And if you want to stay in the moment today, you have to relinquish and surrender to God the moments coming tomorrow. Be present in the moment and you might just see a burning bush. Be present in the moment, and you might just become a burning bush. Be present in the moment, and you might just take off your shoes because you know you are always standing on holy ground. Well, thanks for being with us. Until next time, we'll see you back at the table.